Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. Praise the Lord. I'm excited to be here again doing Bible study, guys. So many good reports. We wasted a lot of time just celebrating, but there's some good things going on, and I can't wait to see what else God's about to do in our lives. But we kind of are going to get derailed a little bit today. Go on, Grace, and get it in right now. Let's go. <laughs> Start off as a star right away. <laughs> but we... uh. We, uh, me and Brandon were talking on Sunday and we were talking about the Bible studies and we've been dealing with the Holy Ghost and we were, I was just getting ready to go into the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. And then Brandon brought up how we're all facing spiritual battles right now. So we were talking about how we should take a step back and actually deal with the armor a little bit. So since God's been doing all these great things, we've been seeing a lot of spiritual blessings in our lives. I've been watching spiritual gifts open up in people's lives that we haven't that we haven't even been dabbling in before. People have been prophesying that never prophesied before. There's been healing, there's been there's been different gifts that have been opening up in this next generation. And with those gifts always comes warfare. So today we're going to deal with, we're not going to get a lot into warfare, but we're going to deal with our armor and we're going to deal with our weapons. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel 17 to start today. And this is the old story of David and Goliath, which is really funny because we were at home and Victor was not feeling the greatest. So he stayed home today and he, he wasn't really sick, sick, but he was just not feeling the greatest. So we were joking with him and he said, we're going to stay here. And I said, no, you're going to go and you're going to teach the Bible study tonight. We're going to stay home. And he was like, okay, I'm going to teach about David. <laughs> and I was like, that's funny you said that, Vic, because that is exactly what we're going to teach about today. <laughs> right. He was, he was in the Holy Spirit there. But 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 51. And David said, don't worry about this Philistine. I will go and fight him. And Saul replied, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. For you are only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. So right away, David, a man after God's own heart, full of the Holy Spirit, because before it said that the Spirit came over him when he heard the Philistine threatening his people. He comes out with, with faith and with valor, and he's like, I'm going to take this guy out. Don't even worry about it. And right away, 
Saul, the king of flesh, comes in and says, don't be ridiculous. You're just a little boy. You're nowhere near strong enough. And that's exactly what we do in spiritual warfare. We're getting, we're getting all these gifts in the spirit, and we're all moving, and we're starting to feel bulked up, and we're like, dude, I could take that giant out. And then here comes the devil, and he's like, God, you know, you're just a man. You're just a boy. Let me show you some of these sins. Let me show you some of the times you've messed up. Let me show you all these things so that you're not focusing on who you really are. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb out of his mouth. Boys, you hear that? When a lion or a bear would come and take the sheep, David would go after him with a club and steal the lion, the lamb back out of its mouth. That's a pretty, that's a pretty strong man of God, huh? A club. If the animal turns on me, I'll catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this with both lions and bears. And I'll do it with this pagan Philistine too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the jaws of the lion and bear will rescue me from the Philistine. So David realized here that it wasn't about him. It wasn't about his war. This is, this is God that he defiled. He's not coming after me. And that's the same thing with the attacks of the devil. They're on our own personal lives, but it's not our war. Satan can attack God so he attacks us and we suffer as the body of Christ but Saul finally consented all right then go ahead he said and may the Lord be with you then Saul gave David his armor this is where we're gonna we're gonna re, we're gonna learn from this story that we can't use other people's armor Saul was a great man of God Saul was the king that God anointed. He was in that place. He was the priest of the tribe of Israel. That was his role. And his armor was the best in the land. It had been tried and true. It was most expensive. It was, it was the best armor you can get that money can buy. But you can't go to war in somebody else's armor. It doesn't matter what the people before you have done. It doesn't, it's, it's what God's called you to do. And he's going to give you the armor that's going to protect you best for the fight that he's got you in. So it was a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. And David put it on and strapped his sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like. He put on someone else's armor, which it says here, it was his helmet, which we're going to get into, but the helmet is the salvation and his coat mail, which was his righteousness. He was trying to use someone else's salvation and somebody else's righteousness, but he had his own sword of truth. And then he walked around to see how he could move around in this, someone else's stuff. And he says, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. He's not used to the other people's armor because somebody else's armor isn't fit for you it hasn't been it hasn't been purchased for you it hasn't been tailored to fit you your salvation helmet that god puts on your head 
is tailored for your head. It's not going to fit my head. I have a size eight head. I can't even find hats that fit. My wife had to have this custom made for me. Like I'm not. I, I wish it wasn't that way. But my head is not going to fit in your hat. Your salvation that protects yourself is fit directly for you. It's not going to let the devil's darts get in places that it shouldn't. It's going to have openings in areas that it should so you can see the things you need to see. You can, you can hear the things you need to hear. But at the same time, you're protected in just the right places that God wants to protect you. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his shepherd's bag, and then armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the rugged-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you the fish. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled at him. He cursed him by his gods. This world's gods are what he used to curse David. And that's the same curses that we're facing today in this world. All the bad, all the warfare that we're going from are still the same spiritual warfares that, that he was facing here. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Now, when we hear he comes to him in the name of the Lord, we again we always I being being raised with the way names are and the way we use them today, I've always just thought, okay, that just means that I'm coming here and, and I'm representing him a little bit. But the more you study into what the Hebrew definition, when it talks about somebody's in their name, that means that you're going in their character and in their will. You're doing it the way they would be doing it themselves. David's not just saying, I'm standing here as representative, I'm part of God's army, but I'm David standing here in front of you. He's saying, I'm coming to you doing this because God himself would be doing this if he was here. And he's using me as a representative. So I'm coming to you in his character and in his will. And this is the will of God that you die. So that that's it's a little deeper than just, okay, I represent God here and I'm coming. No, I'm actually doing the will of God. And when we're in spiritual warfare, we're not just doing what we want and what we think. Brandon, it's not just what you want that you get this trailer. It's actually the will of God. You're in his will. He has things that he wants to accomplish on this earth. And it's going to require people doing little things that may not seem that special or may even feel like it's your own heart's desire. But in all actuality, God's the one who puts the desire in us because he wants us to be positioned for the battles that he's got coming in our lives. Today, the Lord will conquer you. I will cut off your head and then I will give your dead body and the bodies of your men to the birds and to the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. That is the point of all warfare. It's the point to our God. 
We're not fighting battles so that way we can say, look how strong we are. We're fighting battles on behalf of God to show the devil that he's going to lose in the end. Our God wins. It's not me winning the battle, but my God wins. And if I'm yoked to him, I can't lose because he has to win and we're going together. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. There you go. Not with sword and spear, not the way that the world does it. Because guess what? A sword and a spear is a little bit harder to do battle with. If David would have went out and had to physically sword fight Goliath, Goliath would have outpowered him. He was more trained. He knew how to wield that sword. He knew how to wield a spear. He had physical strength more than he understood. But God's wisdom isn't from the wisdom of this world. God was like, David told him right up front, I'm not coming at you with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. I don't have to come at you with a physical fight. Again, I keep pointing you out. I'm sorry, but Brandon, this ain't going to be a battle for you. We don't have to fight that way. You're not going to physically go after Goliath and fight him hand in hand. Nope, this is the Lord's battle. I'm going to set back. I'm going to grab this little stone. And I'm going to fling it from over here. And I'm going to watch you fall because I serve God. I serve a big God. And if I come over there and fight you with my hands, it's going to look like I did it with my own physical strength. But when I stand back here and I fling this little stone, everybody around is going to know it was God that guided that stone right into your forehead. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him reached into his shepherd's bed, taking out the stone, and he hurled it with the sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. So David triumphed over Goliath with only a sling and stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword out of his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Mm. He had no sword, but he used the power of the Lord to conquer a great enemy. And that's exactly what we're facing today. We're going through spiritual warfare and we're under attack. And it's, it's, it's big roaring giants who look like they're so hard to defeat. And it takes us having faith in the Lord to step back and go, I'm not even going to fight you. I'm not going to grab a sword and a spear. I'm just going to grab a couple of stones. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord, and he's going to take care of my battles. So let's go to Ephesians 6 and 10, because there is some armor for us Christians. And David, whether he was, even though he didn't put on Saul's armor, he was totally, totally armored in the armor of the Lord. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at how that spiritual armor was in his life. Ephesians 6, 10 through 19 is where we're going to learn about the armor of God. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Again, it's not going on the attack. It's standing 
firm in, in the armor of the Lord. God's number one thing is standing in him while he takes care of the battle. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, how many people can confirm that that's exactly what it feels like? Is that exactly what we see people around us feeling? Even the people who don't know they're in that battle. I got this guy at my work. I'm praying for him. Praying for him real hard. Because he, every week he comes in and I'm like, you poor, poor guy. Like, it's, it's another story. One of the first times I ever met him, it was like, yeah, my girlfriend threw a bowl of ravioli in my face. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, why would she, why would anybody throw ravioli in someone's face? Like, what are we, are we three? <laughs> How old is your wife? <laughs> but then it's every day, it's another story. Oh, my car broke down. Oh, I had this happen. I'm, I'm losing my house here. Um, I, I bought a car and it was, it was stolen. So the cops pulled me over. I'm like, every time I turn around, it's like another story. Hey, sister. Oh, no, we're, we're glad you made it. We're talking about the armor of the Lord today. But every time I turned around, he was telling me something else that he's going through. And he's constantly under these attacks. And I, and I can see clearly this is a hidden attack in an unseen world that he's going through. Every single, and he doesn't even know he's in the battle. He doesn't even know what's going on. All he can see is one thing after another happening in his life, one thing after another, and it's clearly an attack from unseen evil powers in heavenly places doing damage against godly people. We're made in God's image. The devil can't beat God, so the best thing he can do is punch his image. It's kind of like the girlfriend that when her boyfriend breaks up and then she sits at home and punches his picture, rips up his picture, burns his picture, like he can feel it. But it's his image. It made her feel better. And it's the same thing the devil's doing to us. Whether or not we're actually God's children, but just the fact that we're made in his image is enough for him to hate us, despise us, want to hurt us, destroy our life, steal everything good from us, and, and he does. And this is how it happens. It happens in the unseen world. Therefore, so since we know this is true and we know all about this, we're going to we're going to put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. You okay over there? So, so we are to put on the whole armor of the Lord to resist the enemy in the time of evil which is exactly the time that we're living in now <laughs> the days are getting darker then after the battle you will still be standing firm because again we started off with standing and we're going to finish standing that's what the whole battle is is for us to stay on our feet standing firm in the faith Stand your ground, putting on... Now, here we go. Here's where we're going to get into the actual armor, guys. Putting on the belt of truth. This is the first thing mentioned because it's the most important thing. 
especially if you study into armor and into battle armor you know that your belt is literally what holds all your armor together if you don't have this all of your armor is going to fall apart anyways it's not going to be successful in any way you're not going to have righteousness you're not going to have salvation you're not going to have peace you're not going to have these things if first and foremost you don't strap everything together with the belt of truth truth not what we think not what people say that sounds good truth what we can read in the bible we can put our finger on and say this thus say the word of the lord repent be baptized you will be saved and the promise is unto you and unto your children like these are the truths that hold our armor together second is the body armor of god's righteousness you know, if you guys if you guys have done like I'm I'm big into armor. So I know Nan's and Nan and my brothers over here are gonna get me. But in in war, they had these chest plates that they would wear, and they would literally polish these chest plates until they reflected light. Because when they were running at the armies, the sun would reflect off of their chest. Yeah, with insulation. The sun would reflect off their chest and blind the army that they were trying to fight. So, the chest plate of righteousness blinded the enemy through the light of God. The light of God shines through our righteousness to blind the enemy's attacks. The more that we live righteously, and not only live because, yo, here we go again. The breastplate went over what? What, what did they put their breastplate over? Their dirty flesh. Their flesh was still under it. They still had their sin. They still had their flesh. But guess what? They got up. They picked up the righteousness of Christ. And they put it over their flesh. And they're like, I'm not going to be represented by my flesh. I'm going to be represented by the righteousness of Christ. That's part of our armor. It's not my righteousness. That's why it's a breastplate. We take it off sometimes. How many of you ever taken your breastplate off? It's snowing in this room. And for some reason, for everybody listening who can't see, there's insulation falling from the vents above our heads. <laughs> it looks like it's snowing in this room. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit coming down, guys. <laughs> but there are times that we take off our righteousness. How many, how many times when you when you get home from work at 6 o'clock at night and your kids are running up the walls, you misplace your righteousness a little bit. I can't, I can't find my breastplate right now. I'm not too righteous right now. Son, sit down and shut up. <laughs> but there are times of war when the evil starts coming in that we go, you know what, devil? You're shooting flaming darts at me right now? Wait a minute. No, I'm not me no more. Let me put on this righteousness because you forgot that I'm a child of God. So I may have some flesh still and I may take this breast, this breastplate off when I'm not in war. But the minute you start messing with me, I'm putting this right back on. I'm going to represent Christ. I'm going to fasten it with my belt of truth that God said I'm his child and I'm his heir. And that belt's going to hold my righteousness in place 
while you're shooting those darts at me. That's good, guys. That's Holy Ghost. For shoes, now he goes, okay, now that we got that all settled, now that we're understanding you're going to represent Christ, you're going to put that breastplate on, you're going to fasten it with the, now we're going to talk about your shoes. Because your shoes are the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared, so that you will be fully prepared. Your shoes are the peace that comes from the good news. Because everywhere we go, we should leave an impression of peace and good news in every step we take. They should see that God, I, I'm not coming over here and telling you my struggles today. I'm not doing that. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to leave an impression of peace and good news in your life. Because I've got the armor of God on. I'm protected. I don't have to worry about what the devil's shooting at me. He's not going to get to me anyways. So once I've realized that and I've got that in place, then I can walk in peace in the Lord. I don't have to walk worrying about the struggles. I don't have to walk worrying about the battles. I don't have to worry about my flesh because guess what? I got the breastplate right over top of it. His righteousness is overshining it. I can move in peace and I can spread the good news to everybody around me. And it multiplies. It multiplies. Me and Trav were just talking about that today. We were both like, we both got raises in the past week. And we were both like, we didn't even want, <laughs> we didn't even want this raise. Like not being stupid. Not that. Yeah. Yes. Don't don't get me wrong. We're not being stupid. But what we're saying is like, we got it. We're praying for other things. Like this wasn't what we were focused on. And I told him, I said, but we've been standing in a room telling everybody that God's gonna bless you. God's been blessing them. Some of that starts sprinkling back in your life. You can't help it. I, I don't like there's things I don't want to I don't want to be blessed. People have blessed me a lot l lately. They've blessed me and I've not wanted to take their blessing. But I have to understand that is a trickle back and it's a forward seed. What you're planning and what you're giving to God. He's not just going to take it and be a debtor to you now. Now I owe you. I'll get back to you next week. He's not going to be that guy. He says, oh, you're going to give me that? You watch what I'm going to give you. You watch what I'm going to give you. So we walk in peace and we spread good news. And in addition to all these, now he's going to start getting into some, some of our, our offensive weapons. Well, our defensive weapons that we use. These aren't just the things that exist in our life, but these are the things that we have to actually put into play. If you have, you can have a breastplate on, you don't, you don't have to use it. When they shoot something, ding, it bounces off. That's not up to me. That's not my hard work. But these, and your shoes, you strap them on, you don't think about them again, unless you're my son, and you think about them all day long. <laughs> but there's your belt, you strap your belt on, you go about your day, you know? But these things, if you don't use them, they're of no avail to you. They won't even help you. And the first of that is holding up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the devil. This is your shield of faith and the devil's shooting his fiery darts. But if I set my shield down, it does no good for me. It does no good for me. The devil's going to shoot those darts all day long. They're going to just stick, 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 stick right in me and bug me more and more because I'm not using 
my one weapon that actually takes me using. My righteousness is his. He's going he's gonna to supply that. But this I actually have to pick up. And I have to look and see that dart coming at me. And I've got to put it in a way. And I go, no, no. I see, your, I see your garbage, devil. I see you saying that I can't, I can't go where God's telling me to go. But no, I mean, let me block that with my faith. Because that's not getting through to me. That's not getting through to me. And if you study Roman warfare... Their shield wasn't for themselves. My shield was for my brother. I stood next to him, and I let my faith take his darts. You're not shooting my brother either. My faith's strong enough for both of us. It's not just going to protect me. It's going to protect him too. And he's going to use his faith to protect the guy next to him. And we're going to form this unpenetrable army that we're going to protect each other with. And that's where you, this gets way more when you're using it that way. The Roman army was so successful because of this practice. They didn't just use their faith to help them, but they used their faith to help their brother. I'm praying for property for Brandon. God will take care of me. I'm praying for raises in my brother's life. God will take care of me. I'm going to use my faith to bless them. God will take care of me. But I, we're going to build this successful army that the devil can't penetrate by using our shields the way they need to be used. Our faith isn't only for us. It's for the people around us. We encourage it. James talked about them laying their hands on him and them giving him the gift of faith through laying on of hands. We impart our faith to one another. If I, if I show up and I'm like, man, man, the devil's just... He's a big, strong devil. He, he really kicked my butt. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do this week. Like, he's a winner. I'm a loser. You're, I'm immediately bringing him down. I'm bringing his faith down. But if I show up and I say, you know what? God's still good. He's still on the throne. The devil hasn't won. He's done so much for me. He, he's not going to let me down now. He's not going to let me down in the future. I'm boosting that faith up. And that faith is contagious. Your brother starts feeling it. You all start growing together. You're using your shield to protect your entire army. He can't. When, when Brandon says, hey, Dan, you know. It, does, it looks like I'm, I'm have to move into the streets. I'm done. The devil. I take my shield. I walk over and I sit in front of him and go, no, you're not. Because I've seen what God does in my life. I've seen what God's done in my dad's life. I've seen what he's done in my friend's life. I'll use my faith to protect you a little bit. Because apparently you're bleeding. You've got a couple darts stuck in your head. <laughs> but I'm going to protect you a little bit. While we pop those darts out, we heal ourselves up a little bit. And we get back up and we get back into the fight. Because you're down and out right now. Thank God I've got this shield of my faith. I can't take my righteousness off and put it on you. David wasn't offered a shield. He might have wanted a shield. <laughs> he could have hit behind the shield and threw the rock. <laughs> he was offered righteousness. And it wasn't, it wasn't his. But our faith shields can protect people around us. Next... Put on the salvation of your helmet. Our helmet is our salvation. Salvation should be protecting your mind. I don't care what battle's going on underneath that helmet. It should all be covered with, guess what, devil? I'm saved. 
I don't care what wars going on in my life. I don't care what, what battles I may be fighting. I don't care what dreams are dying in front of me. I'm saved. That salvation is purely over my brain. It's over my life. And the warfare is all underneath this overcovering that I'm saved. Nothing should ever take away that from us. It, you know, it's sad, but I know Christians who've lived in church their entire life, and if you go up to them and you ask them, hey, are you saved? They'll say, I hope so. I mean, I hope for the lost. I hope for them. But as far as I'm concerned, I know I'm saved. He gave me a promise. The Holy Ghost is our promise. That's our future taste of the glory to come. Now, does that mean you can never lose it once you've been saved? Well, you can make definitely, if you decide you want to serve the devil, I guess you can make that decision. But the promise and the guarantee is that if you stay the course that you're on right now, you're saved. Nothing's going to take you from my hand. Nothing will pull you away from my spirit. And my grace is so good that I'm going to catch you every time you fall. And I'm going to wash you with mercy every time you're too dirty. And I'm going to make sure that I complete the good work I started out already in your life when I called you. And we've got to put that over our minds. We've got to put that over our heads. We've got to remember no matter what else goes on, I may be battling all kinds of crazy stuff. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And that still needs to be on our minds as I'm taking my last breath. I need to be, Jesus, here I come. Get the keys to my mansion ready. Tell them to, fill, <laughs> tell them to give me the address. Put it in my Uber. I'm on my way. I'm coming to see you. I'm not worrying. I'm not thinking. I'm not wondering. I don't want anybody crying. You guys have a worship service at my, at, my, at my funeral. Preach the word. Play this recording. <laughs> You'll have that option. I heard of a minister who just passed away lately, and they, pray, they, they played a sermon at his funeral of him up there preaching above his casket, preaching about going to heaven. That's powerful. That's what we believe. And we keep that frame of thought by keeping that helmet fastened on our head. That helmet falls off in the middle of the battle, you're dead. You're dead. You can go without arm protection. They can shoot you in the arm. You'll, you'll live with that wound. The devil will. The devil will shoot darts into your arms. He'll shoot darts. Paul had one in his side. He said it was a messenger. It was a fiery dart right from the devil and got right through his righteousness. He got right through his breast, breastplate. Boom. Got him in the side. And God was like, my faith is good enough. You got your helmet on still, right? You're good devil didn't get you in the head did he nope then you're good you're still saved you still have salvation and you're still representing me on the outside because we can't see that little thorn in your side all i see is that breastplate of righteousness that i purchased on the cross no one's going to take that away oh, i totally lost my place salvation is that's a big thing that's more important than some of the other ones when you get down to it that's the battle that our generation is having they're fighting that what it pastors teaching on it right now salvation for all how do i know i'm saved how do i tell my brother you can be saved i'll give you a hope hey i'll tell you how you can hope you'll make it one day that's what that's what other religions give you that's what other religions give you. 
and take up the final weapon that we take up. We take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord. Now, this is our only offensive weapon. Because again, when Christ was in the wilderness and Satan came to tempt him, what did he do? He rolled up his word of God and he went, bam, devil, get it back. I'm going to tell you right now, we don't live by, we don't live only by bread. We live by the word of God. He hit him every single time with scripture. That's all Jesus hit him with. He used his word, his sword, chop you down, devil, chop you down. The word says, the word says he heals everything. The word says if, if the elders lay hands on you, you'll recover. The word says he's going to bless your lives. The word says, that's my sword. When the devil comes at me with his arguments and his lies and his garbage, I pull my word and my sword out and I chop him down. If only Eve would have been using that back in the garden, we'd all have a lot better life right now. <laughs> She'd only pulled that sword out back in the garden. But wait a minute, devil. The sword says, cha! <laughs> we'd have been dead. We'd have been done with that snake. But we're using it today still. We're going to use it today when the devil shows up. The battle's still not over. Now, here he goes on to give us some other advice here. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. So again here, he's talking about one more weapon. We've got our sword. We use our sword, the word of truth. But then he goes into a further realm of spiritual warfare. And he says, now, we've, we've talked about all the things that are going to protect you and are going to defend you. Okay, but what do we do when there's an evil spirit attacking our children? What do we do when there's an evil power that's blocking me from achieving the things for God that I need? What do I do then? What do we do in the warfare? So he goes on. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. He says, stay full of the Holy Spirit because prayer is our weapon. Then he says, stay alert and persist in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So he says, stay alert, focus on things. Now, I'm going to take, take a big jump here. Stay alert and stay in the Spirit. In order to stay alert and stay in the spirit, there's some things that you got to cut loose. And it requires fasting. So when he's talking about praying all times and staying in the spirit and staying alert and making sure you're praying for your brothers, he's talking about prayer and fasting. He says, we put on all of our armor because this is what protects us, and this is all of our defense. Even the word of the sword is a defensive weapon. He's not telling you to take the sword and go stab it to your brother's head and teach him what's right. That would be a terrible way to do things. <laughs> he tells us to use the word as a surgeon, as a knife a surgeon would use. Hey, God said you don't have to live with that on your life. You don't have to be addicted. You don't, you don't have to... You don't have to have, be angry. You don't have to deal with these things in your life. And I can use the word of the Lord to cut some of that off of you. But this is not an offensive weapon. This is defensive. But we need, we need weapons for offense when we got the enemy coming at us and attacking us. So that's why, that's why he goes on here. 
And he says, stay alert, stay, pray for me. He says, pray in all times, on every occasion, and insist, persist in your prayers for your brothers, for your other believers around you, together. And pray for me too, that God will give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan and that good news to the Jews and the Gentile alike. So he goes on to tell us, now while we're in the middle of this warfare, guys, we're going through all this, this is why we're going through it all. I'm in chains, but pray that God gives me the right words because in the end of all this battle and everything that we're going through, the only thing that's really important is that the good news gets explained to the Jews and to the Gentiles. That's our battle. We're, we're going to deal with all the other stuff. We're going to protect ourselves. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to stay in the mode. But it's all so we can explain the good news to the people around us. For I am in chains now, still preaching the message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. And that is something that when we're in the middle of our battles, we should never lose sight of. It doesn't matter if the devil shoot me with darts from the other side when I've got someone in front of me that needs to hear the message. That's what's important to me. The battle is something I'll go through on my own, but I'm pulling other people towards Christ. That's our whole purpose. I'm not focusing on the battle. When we get together, I'm not going to talk about my battle. I'm not going to deal with the garbage I'm going through. I'm going to talk about spreading the good news of God. I'm going to talk about reaching my brothers. How can we explain this a little bit better? How we, We've all been in this for a long time. And my last two or three Bible studies was on repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. All things that we know, but all things we need to learn to explain better. I don't want to get caught in a corner with someone who doesn't understand something and me look like a fool, like I don't know my Bible. I need to know, I need to have my belt of truth tightened fastly where I can say, Thus say the word of the Lord. Let me pull out my sword real quick. Here's why we believe what we believe. 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. I'm starting to print these out that I teach out of. I should just make extra copies for people who want them too. I just started it. This was my first week on this. You guys see me up here with my Bible. <laughs> I, I love my Bible. There is something about the Bible in your hand. But I did. I do think this is easier for me just to flip through. And it would. I, I will make you guys copies and hand them out to whoever wants them. I'm not going to kill trees for people who don't want them. <laughs> but it says here in 2 Corinthians 10, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We don't wage war as humans do, guys. We use God's mighty weapons. So again, here, he, he's, he's piggybacking right off of what he was talking about in Ephesians. We got all this armor. We got all these things. Now let's talk about our weapons. Because we don't use normal weapons like everybody else does in this world. We use mighty weapons, powerful weapons. David's little rock was pretty powerful. It was way more powerful than a sword would have been in his hand. But the rock had the power because he could throw it from far away. Wop. The weapons we use are God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. To knock down strongholds. 
right away. He's like knocking down them giants. To knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Now, he goes right into it and goes, you guys want to know where the real battle is? The real battle is the devil's a liar. He's always been. That's his one trick. Matter of fact, in the garden, we cut his legs and his feet off, so he had to slither on the ground on his stomach. He doesn't even have anything other than his tongue to distract you and to hurt you and to cause chaos and division in the church. It all comes from his mouth. So he says, we're going to destroy strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false argument. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Those are the things we're going after. That's the battle that we really have. Our battle is to destroy the false arguments and every proud obstacle that keeps anybody from believing in God, from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. That's powerful. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey God. And after you've become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. But that is our battle. That is our fight. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And again, we're not doing it with the sword. I'm not coming up and beating people upside the head to get them to get those disrespectful, rebellious thoughts out of their head. That's not how we do it. We do it through prayer and through fasting. Fasting in uh, which dictionary did I use? Dictionary of Bible themes. It says fasting is abstaining from food and possibly drink for a limited time as a mark of religious commitment and devotion or as expression of repentance of sin. Fasting is us devoting ourselves to the spiritual. It's us denying the flesh and equipping the spirit. It's us stepping away from the flesh and into spiritual warfare. That's what fasting starts. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 10. Because we're going to see here Daniel, the man of prayer in the Bible, the guy who defeated lions. We're going to see him use these mighty weapons. Daniel used mighty weapons of the Lord. He was in a time where they were in slavery. They had oppressive rulers. They were being treated very unfairly. And they fought big battles. And him and his three companions did amazing things for God. And all of it was wielding the same weapons that we're wielding today. We're not in the millennial yet. We're not able to just live for God. We're still under captivity. We've still got oppressive rulers that are still forcing us to bow down to things that we shouldn't be bowing down to. And we've got to fight it the same way Daniel does here. Daniel had rulers come against him in high places that passed laws to hurt him. They didn't want him praying. These are the same battles we're fighting today. They don't want us going to church. And if we do go to church, well, then you're not allowed to sing. Well, if you're going to sing, well, you're barely allowed to pray. And for God's sake, don't lay hands. That's the same battle. It was the same battle Daniel was going through. We can't find any fault with him. We can find it with his religion. 
We'll find it in his prayer. And they passed laws to hurt him. They had their, their king, the rulers were against him. That, and we're not, even, we're not even to that point yet. Technically, we're still a nation birthed out of Christianity. So even though we're sliding far away from where we should be, we still have all been raised by parents who said God's prayers and knew who God was and taught us a little bit of this light. And our forefathers came here for, for religious freedom. So we were a nation that was birthed out of being free to serve God. So I'm going to start in verse number one of Daniel 10. Daniel 10. <laughs> in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, known as Belshazzar, had another vision. When I had this vision come to me, I, Daniel, had began, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. So here Daniel saying he was in mourning for three weeks. All that time, I ate no rich food, no meat, and no wine crossed my lips. I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So Daniel saying, here I am. I was fasting and praying. We're in a state of mourning during this time. I'm trying to figure all this out. His nation at this time, his nation had been in captivity. And the Bible prophecy at that time where they were going to be in captivity for 300 years and they'd be set free. So Daniel was fighting for freedom and he knew that the word of God said they should have been set free already. But they weren't. They were still in slavery. So Daniel did what he knew would work and he went to war that's the same things we go through in our lives God's promised us freedom he's told us we're going to be set free that we're going to be living in the promised land and we're still in Babylon and the prophecies right here God has said 300 years and I'm still stuck in slavery what's going on and instead of complaining about it instead of telling everybody that God's not real Daniel was like all right God said it, I'm going to fight it. Some things only come out through prayer and fasting. That's what Christ said. They were bound. Some things we only break those bonds through prayer and fasting. So Daniel started his prayer and fast right away. On April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, and I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like precious gems, and his face flashed with like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet were stone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. And my strength left me, and my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Now, these are again some of the things that we've been going through. As soon as God starts dumping miraculous blessings in our life and we're seeing these spiritual gifts open up in our life we start getting overwhelmed like that we start seeing these amazing things take place in front of us and as a result our strength leaves us and our face grows deathly pale and we feel very weak in this presence 
and I heard a man speak to me and I heard a sound from his voice I fainted and lay up with my face flat to the ground just then a hand touched me and lifted me up still trembling to my knee to my hands and knees and the man said to me Daniel you are very precious to God now that's the first thing he said to him Daniel let me let you know something this is an angel this is actually Gabriel an angel an amazing angel who stands in the presence of God and the first thing he does when he talks to the man is just to let you know you're precious to God I don't know if you guys down here on earth really realize it but you're precious to God he cares he took time to count every hair on your head he loves you just like when we have a baby and the baby doesn't even know and we're standing over in the middle of the night I love you I'm looking at every hair on your head I'm paying attention to everything about you because I love you that's how God feels about his people when the angel come down he was like first and foremost that's really important that you guys understand this because I don't think any of you humans really get this. <laughs> you guys don't really understand how great his love is for you. But he says, you're precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say for you. Stand up for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, which, is a, which that's a big thing too, guys. Standing up. We stand first. Our armor helps us to stand. Again here, the angel couldn't even tell him what he needed to tell him until he stood up. That's an important thing for us in our life. We're going to fall down. Do not stay down. Stand back up because that's where your blessing is. It isn't God's not going to deliver food to you on the ground. He's going to stand you up. That's when you get what he's got for you. It's when you're on your feet doesn't matter God you know what I may be barely standing but I'm standing the devil might have taken out everything around me and I don't have anything to lean on and I'm tired I'm about to fall over but I'm standing God you've got to come through now because otherwise I'm gonna be using some of your grace because I'm gonna be falling it's gonna to have to put me back on my feet so he stood him up and then he said to him don't be afraid Daniel since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God because that's what fasting is about it's about humbling yourself it's about getting to a point where you realize we can't break strongholds we can't break things over our life we need God humbling ourselves your request has been heard in heaven I have come to answer your prayer so as Daniel's praying God is literally saying, sending powerful angels because of his prayer. We underestimate how powerful our prayer is. When I say a prayer, I'm not just speaking like a mortal person here, just babbling out of nowhere. We're praying. When we laid hands on her and prayed a minute ago, that was serious. It wasn't just me speaking off the top of my head, well, blessings and blesses. No, we're calling down angels. We're calling down spiritual fire. That is our power. If it, if the, I guarantee you David prayed when he slung that stone. I guarantee you he didn't just send that off on its own and say, well, no, Jesus, name this better work. And that's how we live in our lives. Our prayer matters. It's the force behind the stone. It's the force that moves the things in our life. 
we know we need things we know we we we, know, we see battles but it's our prayer that affects it it's our prayer that changes it since you prayed i've come to answer your prayer for 21 days 21 days the spirit prince of the king of persia blocked my way so here he goes daniel's praying our prayer works we know our prayer works so as we're praying things are being answered in the spirit the angels already got his answer and he's on his way and then spiritual dark spirits in heavenly places come to war which is what we just read about strongholds they're in place and they're blocking this message from getting through so he prayed answers given but some things only come out through prayer and fasting the message was there the message was given god was going to make it happen but there was a battle in the spiritual realm that we couldn't get through so for 21 days this prince blocked his way then michael one of the archangels came to help me and i was and i left him there fighting the fight with the spirit prince of persia and now i'm here to explain what will happen to the people in the future when this vision concerns the time yet to come so he says you're praying the answer comes gets blocked how many times we have that happen in our life we're praying for something we know it's the will of god he wants us to pray for it we're doing it in his will the answer is there the promise is there we know the answer is there we've used our faith it's on its way something stops it from happening but Daniel was on a fast for how many days? Three weeks and 21 days the spirit prince was fighting him. Daniel didn't know what was going on in the spiritual realm. Daniel just knew he had to fast. Daniel knew something's not coming. I haven't got my answer yet. God, you promised me this trailer. I haven't moved in yet. So I know the promise is true. I know what I prayed is going to come true something's blocking it and how did Daniel fight that fight he started praying he started praying and fasting and we broke through those barriers through prayer and fasting so we need to pray and fast what does Jesus say about it Matthew 6 verses 16 through 18 Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, don't be obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. This is the only reward they will ever get for it. When you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. That no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you so what is jesus saying here is he saying that if you fast and you and you don't take a shower because you're at work you're not obeying them that's not that's not what he's saying he's getting us to focus on something here he says guess what guys it's not about this earth what you're fasting for you're not even going to see the outcome of it daniel would have never seen that war he didn't see michael and the prince of persia fighting he didn't understand any of that 
but he knew what I do in secret, God's going to reward me for. This battle that I got to fight, this thing that I need opening for, I'm not going to do it in front of everybody. I'm not going to make everybody know, oh, I've been praying for this room for five weeks. Oh, God. Oh, please. Jesus. No, that's not the point of it. Me and God will work this out. I'll not eat if it takes God. Me and you are talking. I'll pray. We're going to get through this together. I don't care if everybody else in the world knows about it. I'm going to tell them the praises. But I'm going to fast because it's something in the spiritual realm. It's not in the physical. It's in the spiritual. Matthew 9, verse 15. Jesus replied, when they asked him why his people didn't fast, he said, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away and then they will fast. So he tells us a couple of things there. He says, one, fasting is not about having a good time when you celebrate. Fasting is about the time when you don't feel God near. When he's gone, that's when it's time to fast. When I don't feel like I feel his presence anymore, that's when it's time for me to fast. I don't need to fast when, I'm, when God's going great in my life, everything's going good. If fasting is a warfare, it's a battle. It's something we use to fight things with. So it's not something that we are doing so that we can celebrate how holy and righteous we are because it's not even about this life. It's about the spiritual realm. So one last thing before we wrap this up today. I'm going to read Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 tells us about fasting and how to implement fasting in our lives. We're going to read it all real fastly. 58, Isaiah 58. We don't have to. We can stop at some point, but it's all so good. I'm just going to start and we'll see where we end. Actually, no, I am going to end. I think I'm stopping at verse 14. Yeah, I'm starting at one, though. And this also tells us, this teaches us about prayer and fasting, and it also teaches us about worship and how we're supposed to be living even when we're praying and fasting. Because, again, if I'm praying and fasting just so everybody can see how righteous I am, then I'm losing it all. So that's not what it's about. I should be praying and fasting, but... I should also be concentrating on spreading the good news, winning the loss, doing these things as well. So let's read what he says here. Shout with a voice of triumph, with, shout with a voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. How many of you guys realize the louder we get in church sometimes, the more I feel God's presence? Like God didn't call us to be quiet. Shout to the Lord with a loud voice. Show him how excited you are, who he is. Tell my people Israel of their sins. They, yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. Wow, he's talking about our people. He's talking about our generation. They come to the church. They come here, they act like, they, oh yeah, I want to learn about God. They act like a righteous nation and would never abandon the laws of its God. They asked me to take action on their behalf. 
pretending that they want to be near me. They have fasted. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you even impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you didn't even notice, God. (laughs) I will tell you why I responded. It's because you are fasting to please yourself even while you fast. Fasting ain't about pleasing me. It shouldn't be about me fasting just so I can get what I want. Lord, look, I've been fasting. You keep oppressing your workers. You keep being mean to the people you work with. Woo, that hits home. That hits home with me, especially now that I'm boss and I actually yell at people all day. <laughs> that hits home, though. You're fasting, you're asking for my will, but you're, you're being oppressive to your workers? What good is fasting if you keep on fighting and quarreling? What good is fasting if you're going to fight all the time? What good is fasting? Are you really mourning if you're ready to fight? Because that's not what fasting's about. Fasting is about breaking myself in humility. That's what fasting's about. It's not about me standing up and fighting. You fast when you can't fight anymore. This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motion of penance, bowing your heads like reeds blowing in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself in ashes. And this is what you call fasting? Do you really think this is what pleases the Lord? Do you really think fasting is just about making yourself look terrible or suffering or carrying your cross? When Christ went through all that so you didn't have to? That really wasn't what fasting was about. No. This is the kind of fasting I want. Here he goes. This is the kind of fasting I want, guys. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. That's the fasting I want. The fasting that you would do if you saw somebody in prison who didn't deserve to be there. If they locked your kid up and he didn't deserve it, you probably wouldn't feel like eating. That's what he's talking about. That's the fasting that I'm requiring from you. It's not this, ha, 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 look at me. I'm fasting because I can't eat right now. I can't eat because there's things going on in my city. There's things going on in my life. There's things that I need to do for God. And it's so important to me that I don't want to eat. You shouldn't be forcing yourself not to eat on a fast. You shouldn't want to because your mind should continually be on the the point of the fast. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. That's where our fast should be. Our fast should be to help the people who are working in this with us. He's not talking about things for you. I should be fasting to help my worker who's working beside me, to lighten his burden, to lighten his load, to lift it for people. Daniel wasn't praying for himself to get a promotion. Daniel was praying for his nation to be let out of bondage. They were in captivity and God's word said otherwise. He was praying for that. It was for his people. He was fasting, fighting warfare battles for his people. Every battle we should be fighting should be for our brothers. Me and Travis told each other that. We're like, we're fasting. I was like, you know what? I'm not fasting for me. I'm fasting for you. You don't fast for you. You fast for me. 
we'll fight each other's battles because if I'm fasting for me where's that going to get me share your food with the hungry give to the people who are in need give shelter to the homeless give clothing to those who are in need do not hide from relatives who need your help that can't be in the Bible are you kidding me I had, a, I had to have a talk with God. I'm like, really? Do you know some of my relatives? <laughs> but, that's, <laughs> but that's the whole point of it all. He's like, look, guys, if you're fasting so you can be a miserable turd, you're not getting anywhere. I don't want you to fast for that. Go without eating. Fight these wars. There are battles that need fasting. Our God is in heaven on the throne the groom's up there we should be fasting christ said so that doesn't mean you can stop his work that doesn't mean you stop feeding the hungry you stop giving to the needy you stop preaching his word you stop living like a christian you stop fighting these are spreading the good news is what i do i can be fasting for things in my life that i need breakthrough but my job is to put on a smile feed the hungry, spread the good news. Jesus Christ can save you. I might need healing in my life and I'll fast forward it because that's important. I need to break these off of me. But I'm going to get up, I'm going to smile, I'm going to spread the good news. I'm going to step and I'm going to leave an impression of peace and good news everywhere I go. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will heal quickly when the devil hits you with that it's gonna heal quickly devil's still gonna fight you but your your salvation is gonna come in the dawn you're gonna heal quicker than you needed to heal god is a god of healing miraculous signs are great and all people gathered up for the miraculous signs what we didn't realize was healing was in his presence everybody who came close to him got better it wasn't miraculous but their lives continually got better everybody who's been in these bible studies our lives have gotten better it's hard for me to start the bible studies on time because we got too many stories of good good things god's doing in our lives because you can't be in his presence and not receive that healing power that's the healing power that matters that's the healing power that i want to tap into i don't need god to make me all better right now i need him to make me better a little bit every single day until one day i'm like him living in his presence your goodness will lead you forward no your godliness will lead you forward it's a big difference <laughs> there's none good but the father but god's godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the lord will protect you from behind and when you call on the lord the lord will answer yes i am here he will quickly reply remove here we go remove the heavy yoke of oppression you guys hear that he doesn't tell he doesn't say this is gonna happen he tells you to do it for yourself he says okay we're fasting we're gonna do all this now remove the heavy yoke of oppression on your life cast that off of you don't put up with that no more stop pointing your finger which i've been doing this whole bible study <laughs> and spreading vicious rumors he says stop fighting stop quarreling 
feed the hungry, help those in trouble, then your light will shine from the darkness, the darkness that we're in. When we feel that darkness come in, that's the time that we feed the hungry, we help those in need, we start shining that light, and it shines out of the middle of our darkness. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will soon become as bright as noon. When you let that light shine when you're in darkness, it lights up your whole room. Your whole life starts to become brighter. The Lord will guide you continually, give you water when you are dry, and restore your strength. He will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will will rebuild the desert ruins of your cities. Your cities will be rebuilt. The things that the devil's caused to be destroyed in your life will be rebuilt. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls. Hallelujah. And a restorer of homes. That's where our prayer and fasting comes into place. We can restore people's broken homes around us by praying and fasting in the spirit realm, but not just by praying and fasting and then laying at home in the, in the corner in the dark, but by continuing to be the light of this world that walks hand in hand with fasting. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. What's he talking about there? Church. Get your butt to church. Enjoy being in God's church. Don't sit at home with Cheetos on your belly watching online. And we can, you can, you're pregnant. You can get away with it until that belly goes away. <laughs> and speak of it with the light as the Lord's holy day. Don't say, oh, I got to go to church on Sunday. Speak with it like delight, for this is the the Lord's holy day. Don't fast all week and then miss church on Sunday. Be a part of it. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day. Don't follow your own desires and talk idly. Now, honoring the, the Sabbath was never about just not working. It wasn't about not working. It's about doing the Lord's work. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. I can, I can go help Nan fix his bathroom now that he cut his thumb open. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that is, I'm, am I not, no, I can't help you because I'm honoring the Sabbath, Nan. No, that you're missing the whole point of it all. Honor the Sabbath. Give, help, be in the body, be a part of Christ. That's how you're going to be with the Lord on the Lord's day, is by doing the Lord's work. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. For I, the Lord, have spoken. Hallelujah. So that's our armor, that's our warfare. We pray, we fast, we keep our armor polished, guys. Don't let your armor get rusty and old. In the, in the, in the real army, they would boot you out for that. You know, we know that. Your bed better be tucked in. You better have creases in your pants. When you hit that battlefield, our armor should shine. It should be something as an example to the world around us. People knew when the Roman army showed up. 
they seen him coming. They were like, wow, that's a powerful army. We represent a more powerful army. We represent the army of the Lord. And we need to prepare ourselves, make sure that we're ready for warfare, and use the weapons properly. Don't be out there beating people with your shield. That's your, your faith isn't a weapon. Your faith, well, I'm Pentecostal. <laughs> no, that shield's supposed to be protecting you, not hurting everybody around you, especially people who might be joining your army soon. Mm. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, guys. Jesus, Lord, touch our hearts and minds, God. Thank you for this lesson today, God, and learning about your armor and the fight that we're called to fight in you, Lord. I know that you've given us a group here of strong warriors, God, who are standing for what they believe in and your word tells them to do, God. I, I ask you to strengthen them, Lord. Allow them to have the power of God on their side, Lord. When we pray and we fast, that it go forward with anointing, that our armor protects us, God, and that the enemy is blinded by your righteousness, God, that we will head forward in this battle, Lord, proclaiming territory for you, God. We worship you and thank you for everything you've equipped us with and everything you've taught us to use in your will. We worship you and praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.